Amen. And good morning. You can have a seat. Welcome to our third week and final week in our series, Passion. And just to kind of set the stage, what um, I have been thinking about quite a bit in my life lately is how to kind of keep that passion going. And I will, uh, full disclosure today, I will say that this is one of those frustrating topics in my own life. I hope some of you relate to it. If not, this is just therapy uh, that I come and I, I do this publicly. But there's two questions that have always bothered me about myself is that there are moments in my life where I'm passionate about things that don't really matter. Things like how are the dishes put in the dishwasher? Things like, um, you know, just things around the house. And it's like, what is that that made me all fired up or get angry or get like, uh, passionate about that and then maybe other things that are significantly more important in life I don't have that same kind of passion and then a second thing that is puzzling and troubling and hard for me to grasp is the fact that sometimes I can be incredibly passionate I can be incredibly focused I can like be on point and then other times not the same exact person. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, but this is, this is kind of the, the life routine that we have that sometimes it's a grind and sometimes it's easy. And I've been looking through scripture and trying to be inspired by different people that it looks like from afar you would say, they figured it out. They got it. How did they pull that off? How did they maintain that passion through all of the different things that they dealt with? And that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So I hope some of you relate to that. I hope it's not just me, but it's something that is an ongoing struggle emotionally, mentally, spiritually in my life. And so we're, we have been uh, getting into the, uh, the passion-o-meter. Is everybody excited about the passion-o-meter? Let's go! All right, all right. This is... The trademark Church of the Creek Passionometer. And just so you know, if you haven't been here, the Passionometer knows and can sense your passion in the room. So here we go. How it works is we're going to watch a couple of videos uh, of different situations and we will rate together um, what kind of passion is displayed in the video. Are you ready? Let's go! Look at that. Look. <laughs> We got it up to two and a half before we even started. Uh, that's just because Zach is in the room. Yeah. All right, all right. Okay, here we go. We have some pets. We have a pet that is meeting his owner after an absence. Take a look. All right, what do you think? How does that rate on the passion o meter? Uh, come on. All right, I, I, I'm hearing you a little bit. How does it rate? Uh, that, uh, we're 
calling it a 6.1. All right, that's a 6.1 on the Passionometer. Okay, now you know how the game is played. Uh, this is the kind of fun stuff we do here at Church of the Creek. Um, <laughs> exactly. All right, here is uh, someone, a 13-year-old, that got a deal on Shark Tank. Take a look. The idea is brilliant. If I saw a shovel that didn't have measuring on it and it was the same price as the one beside it, I'd, I'd always pick one with you. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's your basic concept, right? Lori and I have been talking in the background here. You remind us of uh, a deal from the past called Benji Lock, where a young man came up with a better mousetrap than a lock. But he didn't want to be in the lock business. He wanted a partner. It could help him find the best manufacturer, best distribution, and license it so he could sit at home, open the envelopes, look at the check, and say, yippee yo kaye <laughs> And so I'm the licensed guy. Yes, sir. She's and fantastic. And I am also a licensed gal. We're going to partner together, and we're going to blow it up. Definitely. What's your offer, guys? Definitely think that we uh, can license We don't do this for free. You're in the shark tank right. now, and we're sharks. Here's the deal. We're going to give you the $40,000. We want 30% because you're getting two shots. We want 15% oh, each. That's really good, the shots. No, it's a very good deal. You're getting two shots. Mr. Wonderful and Lori, you got a deal. Uh, that's great. Congratulations. Wow. Such a great idea. That was great. Congrats, guys. Good job, Maddox. Well done. Kevin, maybe you are not the cold-hearted vulture that we do this. You want to do the thing too. It's kind of... He's just afraid to be embarrassed by Maddox. Good job, buddy. I thought Daniel's offer was really good, but I thought Kevin and Lori's offer was just really good about their vision to get my product licensed and out there. I thought that would be the best for me. All right, 13 years old, gets a deal with the Sharks. I mean, how pumped up would you be at that moment? All right, what do you think on the passion of me? Uh, okay. 3.8. All right, 3.8. It can't, you know, dogs, dogs got a unique passion that uh, supersedes even a shovel. Okay, all right, here we go. One more. Uh, a farewell speech. A farewell speech. Here you go. Take a look. But anyway, you know, I, uh, <laughs> over under in the locker room from what I heard last night on uh, how many times I'm going to cry. So I'm going I'm to, I'm trying to bet on the under. But uh, it's been great. And uh, it was tough. It was a tough decision, but it wasn't. Um, and I really don't look at it as retirement. I look at it as graduation. We all graduated from high school, graduated from college. I'm just graduated from pro football. I'm sorry, I need a moment. <laughs> it's been, uh, I, I am sorry, but if you grow up in Colorado, and I don't want to talk to any of the Kansas City Chiefs fans here right now, okay, who are celebrating all their success over the last couple of years. It's been a while since we've had a good quarterback around here, okay? And there are not many things that'll make a grown man cry, but somebody who grew up in Colorado when he sees John Elway's farewell speech, I'm sorry, my voice gets a little quiver. Okay, passionometer, what do you think? Kansas City Chiefs, quiet, yeah.
All right, we're calling that an 8.5. Uh, we're calling that an 8.5, especially because of how bad the Broncos have been over the last several years. There's so many different things that can elicit passion in our life, but it's a struggle to kind of maintain that and keep that up. And I really do think it is a spiritual principle that we need to kind of think about in our lives. I've heard it said before that the greatest challenge you're going to face even um, in your life is leading yourself is being able to manage yourself, your emotions, your, your work habits, all those things. And it is a struggle, and the scripture talks about it regularly. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the scripture has many, many different kind of simple sayings like this, but really important, and they're in there over and over to encourage us to say, listen, I know life sometimes becomes a grind, it's challenging, there's times where your emotions are up or your emotions are down, but what you need to realize is a person of faith does not walk alone. A person of faith does not walk alone in this journey. In fact, the Holy Spirit can fill us up and empower us and encourage us, and we need to be reminded of that. And we need to remember that. And so it is always a struggle. I am somebody that has struggled with it. I read an article this past week, and it was actually an interview from Michelle Obama that was reflecting on kind of her, her season of life during COVID and saying she kind of came to a point where she was just kind of mildly depressed because it was like everything was different. And it was, you know, this thing. And she was saying, you know, I know there's lots of people out there that are similar to that, that are just kind of lost purpose, direction, meaning in their life. And she was making note of that. And I have found that also to be the case, that it seems like, you know, when things are different, uh, sometimes we can struggle. So last week we talked about uh, kind of starting things, having a passion to get off the starting block, because I think sometimes that prevents us from kind of maintaining that passion is we just never get started. We never move forward in the things God calls us to. But there's another thing that prevents us from our passion, and that is that we struggle to finish well. We struggle to complete the task. We struggle to persevere through those difficult moments and continue to reach the end. I don't know if you found yourself in a situation where maybe you were wrapping up a job. Maybe it was the end of the school year. Anybody here know about the last couple of weeks of the school year where it's kind of like you see the finish line a little bit and you're kind of the tendency or temptation is to kind of kind of just relax a little bit or not like just kind of continue that on or finish through in different seasons of our life. The tendency is maybe sometimes it's hard to get started, but once we do, uh, things are going well, but the follow through sometimes long term is not glamorous at all. And it's a struggle and it's difficult. And the reality is that passion is something that is goes beyond kind of our emotional framework or that we're excited or pumped up about something. Passion is incredibly hard work. Passion sometimes means Five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it means, you know, really kind of learning something that I didn't know in the past and kind of overcoming mental hurdles. It means growing, adapting, persevering, changing. It means all of those things. 
But if we're truly passionate about something, we're willing to take those steps to move forward uh, over those hurdles that we face. So again, I want to look at the life of someone that um, I look at from afar and say, how did they do that? And that is uh, the figure in the Bible, the Apostle Paul. And so Paul maybe epitomizes this more than anyone else as far as his passion and perseverance and all of the things that he does. He is a key figure in the Bible. Um, I think he would... After the life of Jesus, he would probably be the most influential person in the Bible, and he did such an incredible thing, bringing the message of Jesus beyond the people, uh, the Jewish race, to the rest of the world. And he faced incredible difficulty in that process. So I want to read in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, where he's reflecting on and gathering some people around him. To talk to them, really to give a farewell speech. I'm not sure if it's quite to the level of John Elway's farewell speech. But he gives them kind of a farewell speech because he's going to go to Jerusalem and he believes his life is in danger. And so he gathers some people around and he says this. From a light is Paul sent to the uh, Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you. Night and day with tears. Now I commit to uh, you to God and to the world uh, and to the word of his grace, which can build up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own need and the needs of my companions. 
In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was a statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Wow, pretty, pretty amazing, emotional, passionate moment. We'll, we'll bump it up to 10. That's a 10 on the passion meter where he is gathering with these people and gathers a group of leaders around and, and gives them this farewell speech, knowing and thinking that as I go on this journey, my life is in danger. I'm never going to see you again. And that, 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 that's how he frames it and says it. And he kind of goes through different things that he says is important and kind of is laying out kind of the legacy of his life and saying, this is all the things I've done. I did it sacrificially. I didn't take advantage of anyone. I, I, I did all these things with a clean heart and I'm at peace with this. So now you go and carry it on. Be people that work hard. Be people that are generous. Uh, remember, it's more blessed to give than receive. And then farewell. And they take him off and he leaves. And they are pretty much saying, bye, Paul. We won't see you ever again. What an incredibly passionate scene that is taking place where, where he is demonstrating kind of the life summary of what is going on in his life and how it relates and how... What, what is so important in his life? What we've talked about over the last couple of weeks is what's key to passion is really knowing clearly what your values are. Really knowing clearly what is most important to you. Because when those moments come where it is hard, it's a struggle, it is a grind, you can push through. It's interesting to look at kind of uh, psychology 101. And this is the uh, chart of the hierarchy of needs. You've seen this before. Many people have reflected on this. This is kind of what you learn in uh, basic psychology classes. This is how humans function. That if you look at this chart right here, this is how humans typically, thank you. Uh, this is how humans typically uh, deal with just different things in life. At the bottom of the pyramid, it's saying, hey, these are my psychological needs. Things like water, food, shelter, clothing, those types of things. My basic needs, if those things aren't met, it's hard to have anything else in your head. It's hard to kind of move forward if, you're, if you have an empty stomach. It's hard to kind of think big philosophical things about existence and life. Your focus is on that immediate need. As it moves up, you know, safety is a, a significant need. Personal security, employment, resources, health, property, all those things are a significant need as well. I need to feel like I'm safe, I have resources. All of those things are significant needs that override most of the time things higher up on the hierarchy. The next one up is love and belonging, the community, friendship, connection that is so important. And if you're missing that uh, and all those other things are in uh, place like the uh, uh, psychological needs and the safety needs, that is the longing of our heart most of the time. And then the next one, esteem, respect, 
uh, status, recognition. It's just, you know, kind of saying, you know, do, do people think that I'm doing a good job? Do people uh, respect the work that I've done? And then the highest level on the hierarchy of needs is talking about self-actualization, the desire to become the most that one can be. You see, that's kind of the plane that we've talked about over the course of this series. We've been talking about saying, I want to be the best I can be. I want my passion to remain high, and I want to focus on the things that are the most important. But the reality is, in life, is those other things below that get in the way of us thinking about those types of things. And that's what interrupts things. So we may start down a good track, but then all of a sudden there's other needs that emerge and kind of our passions get pushed aside. And it's easy to just say, like, I got to deal with some other stuff right now. I got to deal with some other things right now. And I can't think about, you know, making my life the most, uh, you know, making desire to become the most that one can be. You know, it's hard to think about those things when all other things are swirling around. But what I see, and this is what is amazing, and this is the inspiration I find with, with Paul, is that he breaks the chart. The chart completely explodes in his perspective in his life. What a unique character. And it's a unique thing that you know most people, rightfully so, and you know, logically, uh, would fall into these categories, and those things would be first order. But you see in his life, you see he, he oftentimes has incredible safety problems. He oftentimes, his life is in danger. We hear stories about times where he's hungry and cold, and he doesn't really have the basic needs in life. And he even reflects on that somewhat in this story, but he says, I still am going to push forward. You see, kind of what he says is he says, I know my safety is in jeopardy, but I still have something that is so consuming that I am still going to push forward and go to Jerusalem. He blows up the chart. He doesn't react the way that a normal person would react. He doesn't act the way that he's supposed to, according to all of the brilliant sociologists. He doesn't. And the question comes into my mind, and I, I, I want to ask you as well, is there something in your life that is so important that the chart will just blow up? Is there anything in your life that is so significant and so clear in your mind that the chart doesn't even apply? And I think it's very legitimate as a church community for us to remember this. These things are really a very real in each and every one of our lives. That's why we do things like we go and we help and support people and give out food from our food bank. That's why it's so important that we're, we're praying for one another when people are dealing with physical issues. And even, you know, as a church, we've done that recently and collected some offerings for some families that had a need. Really important. And those things are very real. But I'm just mesmerized and I'm kind of struck by the fact that Paul breaks the chart, that Paul's life doesn't fit into that. And I'm wondering if there would be any point in time where I would be able to move past sometimes the chart. It, in fact, if you want to even take it a step further, it's pretty interesting to think about 
how Paul is going through all these things, even though he is probably the most influential figure in the church at this point in time. So let's take a step back and analyze this a little bit. We believe that God came to earth to proclaim the message that Jesus died and rose again for everyone's sins, that they can have forgiveness and a relationship with God. This is the message they're proclaiming. This is the big pivotal moment in history where these types of things were taking place. And Paul is leading that charge. He's kind of the leader at this point in time. I would think that Paul, because he was doing this at this critical time, he deserved a private jet. Don't you think? Don't you think he deserved a private jet to go around and like take care of? I, I understand jets weren't invented yet. Don't, don't correct me on that one. But you know, if there's pastors these days that fly around and have their own private jet, did he deserve a private jet? Did he deserve like, hey, like maybe some needs taken care of and maybe it, it would be simple and easy because of the things he was doing was so important and critical. Wouldn't it seem like it would be fair for him to have like, just kind of some other things taken care of. That's not how it worked. That's not how God uh, chose to treat Paul in this situation. He was not a wealthy person. Isn't that intriguing and interesting that this individual who was so pivotal, so important, he struggled with all of these other things, these lower level things. He struggled with food, shelter, safety, and you see in the story, he was willing to say to my best friends, I'm going to step away because I have something else that I need to do. And he walked down a road where he said, my focus and my priority in proclaiming the message of Jesus will supersede everything else. Pretty intriguing to look at a life like this. Somebody that is willing to, to, to break the chart and to grind through all of these situations. And man, I, I just don't even know if I have something in my life that I could say clearly that I would be able to, to mentally move past some of the other things on the chart and be able to focus on that passion. But there's also another side of this coin, which is interesting in this passage, is that he is there with the group of people, and he's gathered around, and he says to them, this is probably it. This is probably it. He knows that he is mortal. He knows that he can't be at two places at once, and if he's going away, he won't be able to remain there. He says that I think this is probably the last time we'll see one another. And he knows kind of his human limitations are coming to a head. He's looking back and reflecting in his life and saying, these are all the things I did. But at this point in time, moving forward, the rest of you are going to have to carry the torch. I'm not going to be able to be here anymore. And that was hard for them to hear. And it was probably hard for him to say, but what Paul was doing is he was recognizing his human limitations in that moment and saying, you know what, S somebody else is going to have to move forward with this. And what I just, I, I want to remind you is, you know, a couple of things is remind you to work hard and care about other people. That was his final message. What a great, 
great little summary of things that we can do to just kind of do good in our community, in our church, in our neighborhood. is to, to work hard and help others. And he said, I've done this, and I charge you to continue the work and continue to do things. But if you think about it, and this is what we have to reflect on in regards to our passion, is there also is a piece of it. We have to, we have to know our own human limitations. We have to know where... What we can do and what we can. Paul is the extreme example of somebody that said, I am going to break the chart. I'm so passionate. He is that extreme example. But in this moment, he knows his time is done. For your life, I want you to think about what does it look like when you recognize your limitations? What does it look like? Because each of us need to reflect on the fact that we have a limited amount of energy. We have a limited amount of time. We have a limited amount of, of, of talent and ability to do certain things, and there is a limit to that. And if we don't recognize that, even in regards to the things that are the most passionate and closest to our heart, I think that we struggle to finish well. Here's my experience. What what I have experienced in my own life is that there's, there's times where it really is feeling like a grind. I'm, I'm having a reflection like Paul, and I'm saying, man, I wish this was taken care of, and I wish this was taken care of, and it's hard. And I'm trying to focus on the things that are most important and my passions in life, and I'm trying to move forward with those. <sighs> I just don't have it in me right now. The scripture gives us so many principles to recognize our human limitations. It starts with the Sabbath. It starts with that. The scripture tells us that there needs to be times in life where you work and times in life where you rest. There needs to be times where you have, like, you focus, work hard, do what you're called to do, do what you're passionate about. And then other times where you stop and rest and recharge and, and reflect again. And if you don't, you're probably not going to finish well. It's pretty significant, I think, for each of our individual lives to understand what that looks like for us, what that looks like personally. What, it, what, it, what, what point are you getting to where all of a sudden the passion is going away because maybe I'm not recharging, I'm not being reengaged, I'm not taking, taking any rest, and all of a sudden I'm just kind of, like, kind of living life halfway all of the time. If you sense that starting in your life, in your spirit, you need to listen to the wise counsel of Scripture and say, you have a limit. You need a break. You need to recharge. You need a Sabbath. And as we see Jesus, who is the most passionate of them all, he always would go to a solitary place and pray doesn't mean that Jesus didn't care about being around other people. It didn't mean that he wasn't passionate. It meant that in his human form, when he was here on earth, he took time to go off on his own, to pray, to reflect, and recharge. That Jesus honored the Sabbath as well, had a day, a week, where he stopped and honored that. This is the kind of perspective that I think leads you to live a life where you can kind of make a speech like this and say, look at all the things that have taken place over the course of multiple years. 
Year upon year, these are the things that we built and we did together. We helped one another. And Paul's saying, I was willing to do it sacrificially, and I was willing to do it because it was worth it. But what you're hearing here is a farewell speech of years and years of work. And my hope and prayer for you is that your life is a life where you're focused on the things that matter the most over the course of years and years and years and years. Not just a little spurt for a couple of weeks. And you're not able to sustain that. It's really a legacy that he's leaving behind because he has a clear understanding about his limitations and he knows he is mortal and his life is likely coming to an end. That is the perspective he has at this moment. So in each of our lives, I think this is something that is a battle that we regularly have to kind of think about, look at, adjust, make changes, and kind of know ourselves really well. Because let's be clear, there's so many important things that you were placed on earth to do. Your life is incredibly valuable. Your mission on life is unique and distinct, and God created you for a reason, and we should look to these verses. It says, the God of the universe can strengthen you and give you power and give you his spirit within you. And so it's so vital and so important that you reflect and say, hey, am I living life to the full? Am I in that place or am I just coasting? Am I, maybe I started something, but am I finishing strong in this area of my life? Because what I will say is that a godly passion, it's always worth it. And forget about the chart. I know this is, this is a hard one to stomach or swallow, but I really do believe that when you look at a life like Paul, that he had a clear mission. He said, I am going to tell the world about Jesus, the Savior. That's what I'm going to do. He had a clear mission. It was so clear. That everything else kind of went by the wayside and he said that is what is going to fuel me and help me to persevere no matter what. When you have a godly passion, something valuable, something that important and significant, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. And so it's our charge to kind of manage that and make sure that we don't get off track. God has given you a family. God has given you friends. God's given you maybe a, a job, other things in your life that are so significant, gifts from God that says, you know, this is a work that is worthy and important. And so, man, it's our call that God is saying, can you sustain that? Can you stay passionate? Can you keep running the race? I want to invite you to pray with me because really... The message isn't informational, it's uh, inspirational. The message isn't learning new facts and information. It's us deep down in our spirit being inspired by God to move, to act. So let's take a moment and pray. God, we ask you, we ask you to inspire us. We ask you to, to build something deep down within our spirit that is a fire that can't be quenched. God, that 
we would know without a shadow of a doubt what is most important in our life. So God, I pray for everyone who's in this room. I pray for those who maybe are feeling exhausted. Who feel overwhelmed and maybe at some point previously in their life, there was passion and hope and excitement about something that was gonna happen in the future. And then, God, we know sometimes life sucks that out of us. So, God, we ask you for your spirit. Come along outside us, God. Encourage our hearts right now. I want to invite each of you just to Spend a moment on your own. Spend a moment asking for God's help and strength. Asking God to make it crystal clear in your mind exactly what is most important. And not ask God to give you the, the energy, the passion, the zeal to step forward and live a life that is focused on those things, things that matter the most. It's also appropriate to ask God for forgiveness, to ask God to help you, forgive you for the things that you've done wrong, Cry out to God. Ask God for help. Ask God for forgiveness right now. <laughs> 